let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions and we're back in your ears once again. The first beer is ready to pour and we're looking forward to another full episode, aren't we, Martin? It is. And unfortunately, listeners, it's just you and I, Steve. No no special guests who had have had so much love recently. That they have. and But apparently people like it when it's just us. So we better not let the listeners down, mate. Well, there better be some love coming our way in the next few episodes, in the next few <laughs> bit of lingerances, mate. That's all I can say. Uh, but yes, it is us too. We've got... Um, I think some quite special beers, actually, for the Us show tonight, courtesy of Ian from Fine Ales. He very kindly supplied uh, the very smashable couple of cans of yarl we had on the on the show with Matt. And we have a selection of the Origins beers. So before we introduce what we've got, shall we get them into the glass, Dave? Let's, yeah, let's get these first two in the glass, because we're drinking four different beers this evening, aren't we, um, between us? Yes, quite restrained. Oh, that smells like cider. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Sorry, Ian. Um, yeah, so these are from the Origins range, which for those who don't know is uh, basically Fine Owl's Mixed Fermentations Project um, using natural stuff that they find locally to, to, to them up in Scotland. Essentially, microflora, foraging. This is, you know, proper, you know, wild ales kind of, kind of beers. And... Um, just so you know, my one does have a bit of a cidery nose as well, but I'm not so adverse to cider. Yeah, I am. I am on on the other hand. So what's what's your? Are we, getting first? Steve, are we going to get Steve Sourface tonight? P- possibly. This is maybe going to be one of these uh, shows that, <laughs> that that people would have rather watched than than, than, than listened to. But yeah, um, these might be a challenge for me. Uh, but I am looking forward to, to giving them a try. I've, I've got to say because I've read I've read the descriptions on on, on the two that I'm trying, and they they, they do sound quite uh, adventurous. I don't know if that's the right word in, in, I think, in terms uh, of I the think ingredients. So. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, the one I've got comes in at five point six percent. It's uh, got aged hops as well as uh, Jester. And I don't know whether it's Jester are the aged hops or whether it's aged hops plus Jester. Um, and, you know, I'll give a bit more of the description, but the two beers I've got are very similar. I think it's just the hops, which are different, and the ABV. Yeah, so mine's a little bit of a series, aren't they? Yeah, I've got the third in that series, which, again, I think is the same base beer, but with the addition of rhubarb. Uh, which I'll be drinking later. Uh, but the first one that I'm drinking this evening is this is their home blend, and this is Home 2019. It's a blend of three and four year old spontaneously fermented owls um, that has been chosen from, I think it's four years or so's worth of barrels that they've got now. Um, that they've blended over 30 barrels to find the right combination for, for this particular beer. Comes oh, really? In, yeah. Comes oh, that's, a, that's, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work for, yeah, that's a, that's a palate wrecker and a half if you're involved in that taste, you know, isn't it? Uh, and this comes in at 5.8%. So, uh, and it's in the, the lovely 375 meal bottle, the um, long neck, very, very elegant looking, uh, wouldn't be. Yeah. Same here. Very, very um, simple uh, labelling as well. Yes. Essentially. Yeah. Um, everything's, you know, the leaf is a background, white background, a leaf, and then fine nails origins and the, and the beer. Mine's yeah. there called the 
Nadir Jester. Okay. So there's also the Celia and the Rhubarb in, in, in that, that, that yeah. trio. And the Celia is the beers. second one I've got. Is, but, isn't um, there? Should we get into it? No, I want to keep talking about it to avoid drinking it, if that's, that's all right. I, well, I did wonder if that might have been your <laughs> cunning plan, Baldrick. However, I think it's about time we got into it, Steve. Okay, okay, let's, let's, let's do this. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, you're pulling a little bit of a face, Steve. It's, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not sour. Um, it, it's certainly mixed fermentation. Uh, there's, there's a lot of oaky tannins going on in that, and it is, it is quite sharp. It's very, very, very cutting as, as, as well. A um, little bit of sweetness in, in there, and very, very dry on, on the finish as well. Uh, yeah, that's the first thing I was going to say about mine, it is dry. It's just, it's just absorbing all the moisture in my mouth. Um, mine's got a bit, bit more of a, maybe some stone fruit flavours going on there. Um, not really a sourness. I think there's like a tart sharpness to it. It's very clean, I think. It hasn't got like a barnyard, farmhouse kind of feel to it. Um, the 5.6% feels about, feels about right. Um, the Jester hops, again, I don't really have in, had enough of the Jester hops, but the Jester hopped beers I've had tend to have a little bit of slightly fruity notes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually finding it very nice. What surprised me was I was expecting it to be a bit more erring towards that cidery notes, given the aroma when I first popped it. I thought that, okay, it's going to be that kind of, you know, wild ale mixed fermentation style, which automatically you go okay a bit cidery mm-hmm. but uh, other than the aroma i'm not really getting a cidery feel to it no, no just same here i mean yes it was very much so on the aroma yeah i, I thought wolf that's that that's very cidery um that there is there is a little bit of funk going on in there um as as, as well and and just just reading um a little bit more on on, on the notes that i've got about this beer is that um so, so I mentioned that they had uh, tasted over 30 barrels. They eventually chose 20 or so to, to, to make this blend from. And um, their head of origins brewing um, basically were, was going for a, a, a Gers-inspired spontaneous blend this year. And I can actually see that. So if you was to compare it to something like, I don't know, because I don't drink those type of beers, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure... I'm, I'm sure somebody could make a better comparison of of it here. Um, maybe some well, of the bone beers. Um, the, 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 yeah, the, I was going to say the the, the parfaits. Yeah, that kind of one. I mean, it's, what I would say it's very gentle carbonation though. The one I've got. So you know, sometimes and let's use the marriage parfaits one. Although the bubbles are quite fine, it's quite excitable beer, especially when you first pour it. This was all quite gentle. Yeah, there's really very fine carbonation. But it wasn't trying to jump out of a glass, so to speak, that you sometimes find. I mean, it's not a cork and cage. I mean, that's probably worth mentioning. But it is definitely in that kind of Canteon style goose bottle that's obviously needs the uh, needs the extra protection in case it does get a bit a bit excitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, same here. It is that there is a there, there is a soft prickly carbonation going on in there but it's it's mm. not going nuts is is it in the glass no uh, 
unfortunately, night of recording, summer seems to have taken a bit of its own little bit of a vacation tonight. <laughs> but, you know, again, this would definitely lend itself for me to a, a hotter day, maybe really wanting something which first quenches. And I think this would be even better then as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Actually, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely a hot weather beer. This one. Yeah, yeah. It's not a it's not a wild ale that you might think about having in in autonomous months, for example. It definitely has a summer feel to it. Although, strangely enough, like the leaf picture puts me in mind more of spring or autumn rather than summer on the label. I'm but I'm pretty sure they release these as seasonal releases, don't they? Um... Yeah, because we had we we had um, these back in February eighteen, I want to say, and but I've got a feeling they were slightly darker or dark fruits. I, I'm I'm sure one of them was was a stout, if I'm if I remember correctly. Oh really? Yeah, okay. it might have been. It, it, it might have been like I mean, a... we're talking three and a half years ago, so I'm not surprised. We're a little bit shaky on that one. Struggle to remember last week sometimes. <laughs> well, it's it, it's good it's good to give. Uh, Certainly, this season's this 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 year's range uh, a, a bit of a try. And like you say, we are grateful to Ian at Fine Hours for sending those down to us to to, to try alongside the the, the yarl that we had on the last show. Uh, while we're enjoying these, um, we are going to have a little bit of a look through some of our summer beery adventures. But before we get to that, we're going to have a little look back, as is becoming customary on the little special show that we dropped but between the two normal shows. You mean the one where we invited an, uh, an esteemed member of the public who has a history in ageing beers to drink some beers that had been kept somewhere for 38 years, then two years at yours? That one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bas- but basically the episode that I really wanted to call Dusty Old Shit, um, <laughs> but didn't, didn't think it, ru- it right. So, so, no. so yeah, we got, to, we got to drink some 40-year-old beers um and it was an experience wasn't it mate i think there was a couple of things i certainly learned one was there is definitely an art to pouring beer which i know sounds uh, and forgive me everyone i know that should be obvious especially <laughs> to two podcasters as well who are pouring beers on a fairly regular basis but that first beer that you and i poured steve was flat lifeless yeah. and that did impact i think what we thought of it anyway Whereas Jezza does this lovely, elegant pour quite high up and the beer has loads of life in it. So it's not like he's excited the beer. He shook it up or anything like that. It was just literally how he poured it into the glass he had chosen. And I think there was definitely saying for next. I think our subsequent pours were all much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the beers benefited from us having that bit of small amount of carbonation. I was still amazed that I didn't hate any of the beers. Seriously, I mean, how, how is that? I still don't know how that's possible, considering that we still don't know where those beers have been kept over the 38 years before um, Emma's sister picked them up for us. Um, and then I think, thirdly, there has to be... Oh, third point was, it was quite sad talking about all these breweries which have disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Even if I didn't know them. Uh, you know, I'm talking about these breweries from the 1700s. We get to the 1980s and 1990s, they're gone. In a really short space of time, considering they're bothered to do specials for 1981. Um, but also, 
there must have been a certain a high degree of skill for these brewers and these breweries regardless of what you might think of people who might remember them or the reputation they may or may not have had for those beers to have effectively lasted 40 years in some shape or form and still be beer it's got to be a skill set behind that somewhere you'd, you'd think wouldn't you and it, it it does make you question the the, the techniques that were used the the, the, the bottling that, that was used because i think we mentioned on a couple of occasions on the show how tight the caps were cool. were on, they ever on on the bottles and and, and there's a couple that were a real struggle to, to, to get off and it, it it does make me wonder if 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 i had a beer that i bought now i mean 40 years might be a bit of a stretch to be honest <laughs> with you I'm, I'm, I'm not sure not sure i'll be around to open it in 40 years time but maybe if i had a beer that i bought 10 years ago and, and put another 30 years on it would would it last as well um and i, I think it's uh it, it's because uh, you've had You've had an uh, a, an original Fuller's vintage, haven't you? Like the, yeah. the the very first bottle of it, and how how was that? Because that was what ninety seven. So we're, all, we're already getting into twenty odd years territory there. I, I mean, it had more. It definitely had more flavour than the beers we tried before, and I'm also assuming that, given that it was a gift that was bought from Fuller's, it had been looked after over that time. So that would definitely have had an impact. But you could see similarities in a couple of those beers that we had where you thought if it had been looked after even better, perhaps had been in a cellar just the whole time or, you know, any other number of factors. A couple of them, because I think one of them, now that it's been added to Untapped, sounds like it was in the vintage ale territory ABV wise. Um, And I I know that uh, just to be clear, I know that everyone's not everyone's an Untapped fan. But I did message them and say that despite the fact there are a few breweries on untapped that say no longer producing beer, I couldn't add a couple of beers. And they did put them in the database for me to log them. So I was very grateful for them doing that. And that customer customer support came back really quickly. Mm. And then they did the same for the beers you had as well. Yeah, Um, really good of them. Really good of them. So that's quite nice because I've got that as a record now. Um, Because I'm not not one to keep uh, dusty old bottles. and even if I was, um, I think I'd be outvoted at home if I'm being entirely honest about that. <laughs> so it's nice that I've got that record and the pictures that I took. Yeah, I, would I do it again? I'd be curious to do, if there'd been something which is maybe a bit more planned, say like, you know, let's go back to Jezza and his, his stash. Um, and he, won, he, he even had another 10 years on top of some of the ones we've done before with him. Um, but you know that they've been looked after and stored and you're getting talked through it the whole time. So we, we didn't have really anything to base our discussion on, did we? There was no real information. No, hence hence why we filled the whole show with facts about 1981. Uh, yes, <laughs> um, but apparently we forgot it was Bob's birthday. Bob was born in, Bob Maxfield was born in 1981. There were a couple and of did birthdays. did we forget that? I thought yeah. it was because he was. I thought it was because he was thirty rather than forty. So <laughs> yeah, um, but we've had some we've had some great feedback uh, about that show, which which we'll come on to late, later on in the show in Bitter and Linganis. Uh, just just wanted to mention it again. That obviously, when when we do drop these specials, we don't really get an opportunity to to, to really reflect on them at the time. So it's always nice for us to kind of take a bit of a step back and then and then have a look back at, at what we've done. 
Yes. Yeah. And like I said, we've got some more feedback, so we can uh, we can sort of continue that discussion later on in the show. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get on to what we've been up to, because uh, it's been a while since it's been just you and I. Um, and we are kind of well firmly into the summer now. And so we've, we've been out and about. We've, we've, we've had some beer adventures. And, mate, I know you've actually ventured out to a couple of beer festivals, haven't you? Yeah, which is pretty much just as well I did, because after a period of self-isolation and a period of self-isolation, this would have been a very short segment of the show if we'd have recorded <laughs> any sooner. Um, but yes, um, listeners may remember that I'm a bit of a fan of going to the uh, Harwich Beer Festival. It's at the Redoubt Fort, which you've joined, I think, a couple of times, Steve, in the past. Um, lovely, lovely uh, spot in Harwich. And it's one which I usually go with my son. So 2019, I couldn't get there because um, the heat wave that we were experiencing at that time of year was buckling the tracks. So I actually couldn't get from where I was to where it is. Uh, obviously last year, obvious reasons. So I was determined to get back this year for the first time since 2018. Went with my mate Carl who listens to the show. So hi, Carl. Uh, met up with Michael there as well, my son. I just had a fairly nice time. Um, Spoke to Paul, who's the brewer and owner of Harridge uh, Brewery. And he came over to speak to us for a bit. Known him for a long time there, so it's always nice to say hello to him. So Sheena and Andy from the Vic, landlord and landlady, they were, they were there as well. Um, had some, I mean, what I will say is my first beer festival since Brew London last year. In, and obviously a very different type of festival. This is a predominantly cast-led. The cask was on tip-top condition. Now I know there's an element of that. I'm sure where it's Paul QCing, being a, a, a cask brewer himself for a number of years, um, but also the regular volunteers that help him out down there as well. Um, they were all on cracking form. Had, had some lovely beers. What you know? What I obviously went for one of his at Harridge. I had a lovely beer from Kirkstall as well. Um, had some really nice beers. It was just you know. Really good atmosphere, nice to see people. We've got the best of the weather because obviously it did get a bit changeable on Friday and Saturday, the last two days of it. We went on the Thursday, um, so I took the day off work to do it. Um, well, me and Carl took the day off work. My, my son's a student, so he's on three, three months off at the moment anyway. Um, and then I, I, I subsequently discovered uh, they had Colonel on tap. And at- that was that. <laughs> It was all I could do, Steve, not to have that first of all. <laughs> well, in case said, it ran out. Well, A, in case it ran out. But if I'd had that first of all, I'm not going anywhere else, am I, after that? Hang, hang on, you went You went on the first day of the festival, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure you got in about 10 minutes after it opened. There's, yes. there's no, I can't believe there was the, the, the panic that the colonel r- might run out within 10 minutes of being in there, mate. Yeah, but the panic <laughs> was increased by someone standing beside me saying, oh, can I have a pint of Colonel? Don't, no, no, stop. <laughs> it's hilarious. What was Carl thinking? What, what, what was he thinking? <laughs> and, um, but it was just this thought that I was in the Redoubt Fall, and I think the first uh, festival I went to there is, I think I missed the inaugural one. I think I went to one in 2012. I And they used to always have the odd keg beer on or bottles, but often it was, um, and I think when you went as well, it was, often American mm, beers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was outdoors in the Harridge Readout Fort, predominantly cask festival. 
and they had uh, five points pale on keg and one of the Colonel Pale Owls. So the last hour was a five points pale and a Colonel Pale Owl is sitting in the sunshine. Just just um, the one Colonel? I, well, I already knew I was going to the Vic. Uh, so you're saving space for more Colonel. Precisely. <laughs> so... <laughs> Followed up. <laughs> <laughs> left, left the beer festival and went to the Vic and drank the Colonel. Yeah. Um, so, would you believe it though? Get to the Vic, which I haven't been to since September last year, Steve, when uh, I met up with you and Emma. Um, go in there. Obviously, you know they've got the permanent Colonel tap. Brilliant. That's my first beer. Rich was practically pouring it as I came in the door. Um, go all that way. So I've got, by that point, that's train number six I've got off. Hockley to, to Harwich, back to Colchester. The other two taps, bloody Leon C. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Which you can get literally 10 minutes down the road from where you live. Yes. So I messaged Matt and the rest of the bottle share group. We found it bloody hilarious that I'd gone all that way and it was Leon C beers, which as you know, everyone knows I've expressed my, my love for them. But yes, I can go to their tap room and get it. <laughs> I can walk to that room so the only keg beer they had but i hadn't had was the colonel um i did finish off with the uh wild card best bitter on cask really nice uh, i don't know if i've had, had wild card cask before mm, no i don't think i have i've only ever had their their bottles or cans yeah um really really nice it was a brown best bitter in the traditional of someone who does it really well you know Bit like you know, five points do it, you know, proper best. Did, did really you say well. you finished off with that? Yes, I did. I actually had the Colonel, then the Brewery from Leon C, then the SS9, and for I need, I can't, I, I can't get the train just with the SS9 in me. So I, you just, you've done that the wrong way round, didn't you? I, it worked for me on the night. Mm, yeah, I imagine you were a good few in by then, mate. You could have been poured like a strawberry milkshake and it probably <laughs> would have worked for you on the night, at the end of the I night. Mean, it is possible. And the brewery is fairly close to that kind of style of beer. But, um, you know, it was, it, was nice be, it was nice to go back to the Vic. I haven't been there since they'd um, redecorated it in time for the May opening, I think it was. Mm-hmm. It looks nice in there. Um, I think it's given it a lot of light, a lot of space. Outdoors as ever, when it's sunny, is a lovely spot to be in. So yeah, and you know, nice to nice to see um, uh, Rich in in his natural habitat. I, I'm I'm actually looking forward to getting back to the the, the the Vic at some point in the next couple of weeks because I know for uh, a fact that um, you know we were talking a few weeks back about how now they've, they've now got a range of Belgian bottled beers. Yeah, and there was some question suggestion over whether any of those would make it onto keg. I know Rich is sitting on a keg oh. of Taris Bulba. Yes, and he told me that as well. <laughs> and and I'm just like, Rich, I know if you're listening to this, mate, uh, I'm I'm in Colchester for the next week or so. So if you could put it on now, that'd be fantastic. Thank you. No, I'd obviously deleted that. So thanks, Steve. That's, That's just paid me off now. Yeah, sorry, mate. So, <laughs> sorry. Just that to, so, yeah. to... I got Leon Seabees I can go down the road for. You're going to get Taris Bulba. Yeah, fair. Um, well, it just proves which one of us is the local now. Yeah, yeah. See, that's <laughs> made me feel even worse now. Um, so, yep, yeah, had Friday to look forward to. Went to Brew London. Was lucky enough to go to the trade session, which was 
half 11 till five on the Friday afternoon. Uh, Clayton, our creative director, joined me. And um, yeah, it was nice to meet people who we'd spoken to virtually over the last year and a half. So uh, popped over to Simple Things Fermentation. That was nice. Went to see uh, Signature Brew as well. Brew York. So, you know, people that you and I have spoken about uh, over the last 18 months um, and also popped over to some Belgian beers from, from the Hacked Brewery. So, yeah, it was just nice just to wander around again. And they did have those stupid glasses, um, those taster glasses. That oh, we, the th- like the things I had last year. Yeah, which are basically like someone topped off the last two thirds of the pint glass. Um they're both quite hard to hold and quite hard for someone to hand over because when someone hands it over, their hand is covering all pretty much all of the surface. So you almost have to put your hand out like a tray for them to put it on so you can then pick it up. It's not a very elegant solution in my mind. Not, not great at the moment either, really, do, do you think? It would, would have been better to have maybe gone for something with a stem, maybe considering that you are handing over that glass for, for pours of drink as well, aren't you? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I did notice that the people who were behind bars were using their own glasses, even when they were wandering around. Um, that gave a bit more real estate for them to grab, to grab hold of on the glass. Um, but yeah, it was nice to have a bit of a wander around, chat to people, um, different venue, print works over at Rotherhive, uh, which is, I believe, and apologise for, for swearing on air, the sun used to be printed uh, rather than at the Truman Brewery, uh, which traditionally is where Brew London has been held or and its previous incarnation of Craft Beer Rising. Very big venue, very big venue. Must say, really well organised, really pleased with that. And um, then Clayton and I said, well, we want to avoid rush hour traffic. What can we do? So we went to the Colonel Tap Room. So I found three reasons in the space of basically just over 24 hours to drink kernel in three different places which ain't bad going to be yeah fair. not not having had enough on the thursday you decided you to, needed to go and have some from sauce as well yeah pretty much and then we just got you know the tube back from bermondsey so but clayton hadn't been to the kernel tap room so i think he enjoyed going to their new space he hadn't been over to kernel and bermondsey for a number of years so it was quite nice wasn't too busy um and i think they still had taking a few bookings for larger numbers. One of their tables holds about eight people and I think they were taking bookings for that kind of size. So yeah, all in all, um, had some some really good beers over the course of two days at two beer festivals. And I must say, I think I probably, there was probably definitely an extra dimension of delight for me having been practically in the house for three weeks for two periods of self-isolation. So there was definitely that added to that i'm out woohoo i can go and do stuff again and it was things which i had planned and in the door for quite a while so that was that was that was nice and uh, as ever like a lot of these things it's the people isn't it the people you're with yeah. and the people you meet and uh that those boxes were ticked on both days as well so th- those are those are my beer adventures that that's me done like i said if you'd been a few days earlier though the beer adventures would have been none that would have been a Move whole on. load of nothing from, from, <laughs> from you, wouldn't it? Exactly. Now you, I know that you have been away. I have indeed, Jess. 
We, you know, you had your out of office on. The show was 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 resting, well earned rest. Um, down towards Devon, how did you get on? Was it nice? Yeah, yeah it was. I mean, firstly, it it, it wasn't a, a beery holiday. It was a family holiday. It was uh, a, a getaway to uh, a lovely um, converted stable on on a farm just outside of Dawlish. Um, Beautiful place, uh, hot tub in the garden, pretty much everything you'd hope for, uh, walkable to the town. So it was it was really nice just to get away from it all for, for a week. But although I said it, it wasn't a beery holiday, I did try and shoehorn some little beery adventures into it. So on on the way down to uh, Devon, we did that, that thing that people that travel to Devon from London and the east of England always do. We went early. We, we, we went four o'clock in the morning uh, to try and avoid the traffic, uh, even though uh, we couldn't check in until sort of three, four o'clock in the afternoon. So, so we had we had quite a few hours to kill. So I thought, right, Devon. Um, OK, Utopia are in Devon. And I don't think I'm ever going to be closer than I'm going to be right now. So um, I got in touch with Rich and said, look, we, we're coming down. We've got pretty much the best part of the day to spare. Can we come visit? Um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to have you, you, you over. He sent us the address of where they're based. Um, it was about 50 minutes from, from Dawlish, but, you know, when, when you're trying to kill time, 50 minutes is, is, is nothing really on, on, on a drive. So we, we went to Utopian. Um, basically, it's on a farm. So it's on a working farm. It's on a, on a, on a cattle farm. And the brewery occupies what was basically one of the old warehouses on, on, on the farm, but with the biggest cold store that you've ever seen because it was a cold store for that particular warehouse. So they've just converted it and he, Rich just opened the doors and it was just almost wall to ceiling utopian and yeasty boys boxes of, of, of beer. And he, he said, this is, he said, this is a depleted stock after the euros. He, he said, if you'd come here before the euros, this, this would have been packed out sort of thing. So Rich took some time out of his day to show us around. Uh, and, and it was nice to have a look at the brewery, um, look at the space that they've got, uh, see how everything works in house, all the canning works and everything. Um, and yeah, he was, he was very, very kind to, to, to give us some beer as well for, for the holiday. So we were, we were well resourced for the first few days in, in terms of our drinking um, with, with some utopian beers and, and and i will just say that uh the the, the churney speciality continues to be an absolute stunner of, of a beer that beer is so good um and no i still can't get over the fact that it's 100 fuggles <laughs> i was gonna say that no, it's, it's nice you got down to utopian given uh the virtual events we've attended with rich as well so that's quite nice um they got space for future you know, expansion and stuff like that. Is there is there capacity? There's there, there's room for them to expand very much. So yeah, um, you you can see the way it's laid out that they've already thought about if if they needed to move things around. Um, yes, but I, I think they're, they're they're pretty much brewing to capacity at, at, at the moment anyway. And obviously they're they're also contract brewing for the Easty Boys as well. So um, I, I'd say out of their their, their FVs there that, that, that they're pretty much running all the time in, in terms of the beer that they've got in them. Okay. I mean, well, I mean, that's good to know considering that they're still a relatively young brewery doing a very particular type of style, but they are pretty much at capacity. Um, and it wouldn't have surprised me 
doesn't surprise me that you've said there is room built into what they're already doing. That from what we've heard and seen, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, so so that, that that was quite nice, and like I say, I am very grateful to, to to Rich for basically giving up an hour of his day to to, to show us around and and have a little bit of a look around the brewery and and for giving us some beers as well. Um, did really appreciate that because it was was still quite warm and it was nice to have basically a fridge full of a range of lagers as as, as well. So thank thanks to Rich for that. Um, I managed to get a trip to Plymouth. Um, on the auspices of going to the Lido for a swim and then managed to go via the, the, the vessel beer shop, which was nowhere near on the way to the Lido. It's um, not, is it? <laughs> no, but I needed a reason to get to Plymouth to go and see Sam. Um, so, so, so pop down to, to, to vessel, uh, had the uh, a customary pint of Braybrook Hells in, in their pint jug, um, which was delicious tasted absolutely great and then was thrilled to find out because it, it seems as though sam's got like a rotating belgian tap on he had the uh duval 666 on draft on, on tap yeah oh, so, so so we had uh we decided it probably not best to have a pint of that um seeing as we were going swimming so we had half a pint of that and it was it was delicious it was just uh on draft just the whole thing's just a lot softer um, and just so even easier to drink than it is out of the bottle. Oh, brilliant. I mean, um, I, I remember him saying that they're going to have a rotating Belgian tap. So why is not to have a pint? Not only would that not have helped your swimming, you may have been tempted into a second. It, very much so, yeah. So we, we had the two beers and then, then then bought a few beers to take away. And and then the last one, uh, we, we popped into Exeter. Uh, on on our last day um, because I I was in what I believe to be St Austell country and I wanted some St Austell beers so there's there's a lovely St Austell pub called Samuel Jones which is on the down, down in the quay in Exeter um, so so we went there we we went to have sort of like a, a late lunch early dinner type thing um, and I was just like right here we go some some cask St Austell uh, started off with a pint of tribute that was promptly served through a sparkler um, and went in about two or three gulps. Uh, sorry, I've... sorry, it was a, it was served in a sparkler through a sparkler. Really? Yep, yep. It was. I, I say it was served through a sparkler, but it was that their that their cast taps were like the the, the keg taps. That they they, they they weren't hand pulls. Okay, that, what similar to say Houston Tap or yes. Help Trader? Yeah, Those kind yeah, of taps. Like, like that. So whether it was through a sparkler or whether it was through the tap, but it was it certainly had the smoothness and the appearance of having been put through a sparkler. But I've I've never been the biggest fan of tribute because um, I can find it I, I find it to be quite ordinary in in in, in bottle or in a can. Um, but the point that I had was so stunning that pint got a five on, on untapped. That's, that's how good I, I, I thought it was and how well it was served. Um, and then obviously there's only one place to go after that, which is, which is proper job. And, and I had a couple of pints of that. And again, that was just tasting absolutely bang on again on cask um, served through that tap method, just really, really smooth and really, really drinkable. And I, I thoroughly loved uh, having those pints. Uh, I had a pint of, um, They've got a beer called Monterey, which is an American parallel, 3.9%, something like that. I had a pint of that in the middle, and I was like, don't know why I'm drinking this. 
not enjoying it as much as I was enjoying the cask. <laughs> so I prom- promptly went back to proper job and had another pint of that after. Um, but yeah, it was uh, that, that was a nice little visit. So all in all, it, it wasn't a, a very beery holiday, but I managed to fit in a couple of tiny little beery adventures while I was there. It sounds nice. I mean, some of the pictures you posted looked good as well. Um, I haven't been to that one in Exeter, but yes, you are definitely in St. Allstall country. And I mean, I've, I've, I am a fan of both tribute and proper job. I mean, and I think proper job is stunning out of the bottle as well as, as on cask. But I have to admit, the pour you just described a tribute, I wouldn't mind having that kind of pour as well. So I think that would just be quite nice because it can sometimes be a little bit uh almost too malt heavy um a bit too sweet and brown and i think that how you described it probably just smooths out some of those notes and gives you maybe a more well-rounded product so yeah i wouldn't when i'm down in plymouth i mean obviously again i'm not far away from next to myself so um i have to make tribute i've had in plymouth i've been a bit disappointed sometimes because i'm i'm always like anything if you're in the locale you're expecting it to be tip top aren't you Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah like I say, uh, managed to squeeze a few beery adventures into my holidays, uh, which which was nice. Um, and and looking forward to, I, I know I've got a few trips coming up over the next few weeks, so looking forward to those and looking forward to sharing those in the future. Excellent. Yeah, uh, I've got a few a few planned myself, so we'll see how it goes. It'd be nice if summer came back as well for them, wouldn't it? Just yeah. And and I know one of one of the trips we've got planned is together, but. We'll keep that quiet for now, although I'm sure people will see it all over social media in a few weeks. Uh, yes, that is possible, but that's all we're going to say now. Yeah, yeah, won't say it, won't say any more to that. Uh, how is your uh, beer going? Really enjoying it. Um, having thought at the start when I opened it that it may be um, a challenging beer, as in you'll take your time over it. It's actually it's very easy to drink. It's very accomplished. Um, you know, there's, it's a very drinkable, it's a very drinkable version of the type, like a wild ale kind of thing. Um, like I said, I think once that initial, and especially if you've got an aversion to cider, once that sort of tailed off, I think you have a very, very nice beer there. And again, I think it just shows that, you know, fine ales are more than yarl, you know, which quite rightly, Say fine owls, the next word comes up as yarl, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know they've been doing these origins and gives them a chance to stretch their legs, obviously play about with the local ingredients, the local microflora, obviously the beer you were describing, how the barrels impact the beers as well. Um, it's just really easy. I mean, you know, when you actually read what they've done and how they've done it, it doesn't sound like rocket science, but they really obviously understand the nature and the nature around where they are to create this beer that I'm drinking. Mm. So yeah. it's, yeah, native microflora. And this is cool shit as well, this one. I think I think they all are in, are in all? the Origin series, yeah, uh, before they're put into to, to various barrels to, to allow the beasties to do their work. Done, it's done its work well on mine. And what about yourself? What, how, how are you getting all your one? Yeah, I'm, I'm almost done with it, to be honest with you. Um, as, it, as it started to warm... There's the, the dryness is still there and, and and the sweetness is still there, but there's there's a there's almost like a third element which is almost like it's almost like a stewed 
stewed peach, apricot, kind of really deep flavour going on in, in, in the background that's coming through. And I'm, I'm not going to say it's overwhelming. It, it balances out perfectly with all the other flavours that are, that, that, that are in there. But just towards the end there, you're getting that, that, that stewed fruit. You, you're getting the, the, the oaky tannins coming through. And, and yeah, it, it all comes together. And so I think that the word that you used there was, was great. It's, it's a very, very accomplished beer. Um, it's not a beer that I would choose to drink regularly because i'm i'm just not into this style but it is a it's it's a very very good beer yeah i mean to be honest um i don't know where they do these in you know 660s or 750s as sharers this is a this is a, a sharer kind of beer as well not because of the level of abv but because i think it's the sort of one you'd you'd actually really want to share with someone yeah and and share with someone if they hadn't really approached this kind of style before or had come up with the with the phrase "I don't like beer," because it's not a beery beer. There's a there's a lot of other things going on in there, but yeah, I mean, it is just superbly drinkable. Really easy to drink. I think we've taken our time with it compared to some of our well, y'all two cans of y'all were done by this moment. <laughs> mate, mate, two two cans of y'all were done well before now on 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 the last show. That, that, that's for sure. But I get what you're saying. You, you know, if the, if these were in six sixty seven fifty mil bottles, this this would be the equivalent to opening a bottle of wine at dinner and sharing it with with, with your guests, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's to have a, have a taste of this. This is this is an incredible drink. Yeah. Um, and and I guess that's what they're that's what they're going for with this this origin series. Again, as you said, it's. It's them showing that they can do more than just Yarl. And yeah. that they don't just produce Yarl. They do produce other beers, but it's them demonstrating that, that they're more than just a, a, a brewer of, of, of beer. They are a brewer, a, a maker, a blender of, of, of mixed fermentation, spontaneous owls as well. Yeah, which probably don't get quite the shout out that perhaps other other blenders and and breweries that do it in the uk um but i'm definitely willing to shout about that one yeah yeah for for, for sure well should we move on and open up our second beer i'm on the nadar which is the, the the beers that you've been drinking the base beers that you've been drinking but this is the rhubarb version coming in at 6.3 percent so, so far you've had a quite a cidery nosed uh, wild fermented beer and a rhubarb one. It's almost like we'd planned this pairing perfectly. Um, I have the 7.1. Uh, this is the Nadir Celia, um, which I'm presumably, even though it's a short word, I've butchered. It comes in at 7.1%. A little bit more life in this one as well. A bit more lively in the pour. Mm. Mm. I've got a tiny bit more of a very tight bubbly head. Um, yeah, nose-wise, there's it's certainly not as funky or as wild as as the last one. There is some hints of. See now, I'm. This is going to surprise no one. I don't eat rhubarb, um, but it smells like rhubarb and custard. So sweets. <laughs> so, so that's that's the only comparison I can make. So if 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 the rhubarb in rhubarb and custard sweets is representative of real rhubarb, then it smells right. If that makes sense. Okay. On that note, 
all our credibility is gone. <laughs> at, at, at Brilliant. That. What little we had left. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Oh, that is quite a bit different, actually. Mm. Oh, that is really tasty. That one. So out of the two, this was probably, would I be right in saying this was probably the one you were more concerned about? I mean, before you'd opened anything? No, I was more concerned about the other one. Okay. Um, what with it being a straight up mixed fermentation beer? Um, yeah, no adjuncts. It, that My worry that that was going to be all funk and sour. Um, where, whereas this one, maybe I was expecting a bit more tartness from, from, from the rhubarb, but that's just not there. It's, it's soft, it's subtle, there's a sweetness there, and it tastes like rhubarb and custard sweets as, as, as well. So, again, if that's my benchmark, um, then that's actually ticking all of the boxes. That's really quite delicious. I mean, my, my one is um, it's dry hopped with Slovenian Salayan hops in the barrels before bottling. Um, it's a bit more earthy than the first one, I would say. Maybe I'm getting a bit more of the, the barrel as well, um, or whether it's I'm, I'm sensing a bit more of the of the flavours and the aroma from the aged hops. Um, it's, as I think I said, it's 7.1%. It's bottled this year. Um, again, it's got slightly stone fruit flavours, but it's not as it's not cidery on the nose. Um, and there's a little bit for me, a little bit of, um, as well as the floral and the earthy notes, a little bit of orange, orange peel coming through for me as well on this one. Okay. Um, really tasty, very different to the other one. It's a bit sharper as well. And I don't know whether that's aided and abetted by the increased ABV from 5.6 to 7.1 and whether it's just carrying it through a bit more, a little bit of a warming feeling as well. So, Yeah. I've kept a little bit back of the other one as well. I've decided to go a bit sciencey. Okay, so you do a bit of a comparison. Yeah, I, th I think it, it would have been interesting to have done that with with this one that I'm drinking as as well because this is the same base beer as as you've got with your two there. The the, the, the Nadir the Nadir Nadar I don't know how you pronounce it um, is it, it's it's one of their base um, spontaneously fermented beers. Um, and then they put additions in them. So it's obviously you've, you've got additions with two different hops. What I've got is, is, is rhubarb in here. And this was, so, so this was originally added when it was, when it was first made. And then it was also finished on um, Scottish rhubarb for six months be before bottling as well. So it's just been, it's just been sat taking on all that, all that flavor and all the characteristics of the rhubarb. I've had some rhubarb beers before. And I, I mean, I'm quite a fan of, if I had to choose between, say, apple crumble and rhubarb crumble, I'd go rhubarb. Um, and I would definitely have rhubarb, cust rhubarb and custard sweets over, I think they used to be those green apple ones. I would definitely go for the, um, the rhubarb and custard. I like rhubarb as fruit, but I've had a few beers with rhubarb, and I think it actually works quite well. Um, because it's not, I don't think rhubarb is that sweet. I think it's just very flavoursome. I think the whatever sweet notes you may get is from elsewhere rather than just the rhubarb myself. That's what I think anyway. I mean, there are probably people more knowledgeable than us listening to the show who will correct. Well, I'm assuming they've not put custard in, in, in this. So Well, I, if they I've, have, they haven't told you. I've got to <laughs> be getting that sweetness from somewhere. Yes. Haven't I? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure someone who's a bit more knowledgeable about these styles of beers and, and has tried this one will, will maybe let us know. 
while we are enjoying these second beers, let's get on to this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. So this was uh, quite simply pubs open, festivals back. How are you feeling about things? So we had 603 votes for this week's poll. Um, 53.6% of people saying that they're happy to venture out. 37.3% saying they're a little unsure. And 9.1% saying they're not ready to head out yet. Um, which is which is quite a split there um, between those three votes. So let's see what uh, some of the people have said about this before we get into our views on this one this week. B at B Depends on the pub. Not sure festivals should be back yet. We should have had a month of pubs open first so we could see the effects of drinkers out, managed in smaller numbers than festivals. From Brian Smith at Brian Smith 950. I would still avoid crowds, so festivals are not on my list. As it, as is anywhere else, I judge, to be too busy, like the pavement full outside spoons. From Chris Hanks at Chris Hanks 1977. I absolutely would have said happy to venture out as the vast majority of pubs I've been in have been operating very sensibly over the past few weeks. However, the weather spoons I went into yesterday, not by choice, was a super spreader venue if ever I've seen one. From Mr. SWP, voted unsure as some people are still selfish twats. The Manchi at the Pie Man 7 went to the Worcester Pub Festival on Friday and various pubs offering lots of decent beer. We as a group went early, but in fairness, it was well run and most places had covered outdoor seating. I'm okay with outdoor festivals, but it's too early to go indoors yet. Rich Swain and some similar comments from Simon Clark at Simon Carbon. Happy with outdoor events, but not so keen on being in any crowded indoor spaces. That said, the vast majority of places I go are very well run and feel like safe spaces, so I'm happy to go to them. Hopefully get out more, but we'll see what autumn brings. From Neil Hayden at Neil Hayden 747. I've ventured out a couple of times, but generally just to small places that we trust. No appetite to go to busy, restriction-free places just yet. And there were a lot of similar comments to that one as well. So also very in, in, in the same vein from Horseforth Brewery, from Wayne at the Irish Beer Snob, from your boy Rob Edwards, from Andrew at A Finley 406, from Dr. Goggles at Dr. Goggles and from Bring On The Beer. And then from Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert, a couple of points. Firstly, I've every faith in many, many venues to create safe environments. But for me, it's getting to and from which worries me. Lifts are good, but public transport fills me with fear. I don't mean to sound snobbish. Uh, can I just say, when I first read Miles' comment, I thought, well, why is he in a lift? I thought that as well. And, and then I read, I read it in context of the whole sentence, yeah. <laughs> Which makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. <laughs> From Catherine Wikes at Mrs. Cathy Babes. Voted a little unsure. We're booked up for Hop City next weekend, though, so I think that'll make up my mind up one way or the other. James at Gammon Baron. Hop City 2021 requires us to provide a negative lateral flow test taken less than 48 hours before. They will use disposable cups for decanting and mask wearing is encouraged. They've even more to move to a more open location. I'll be dressed to sit outside. And then finally from Cy at Leeds Beer Wolf. I want to respond openly and honestly to this, but I'm seeing more and more people come back with things like, well, I've had no problems or issues. Their blindness to what's going on and or to other help, people's health is scary. Now, 
that's quite a sad one to to, to finish on because Sai's so, comment there really upset me. Not not to the point where it angered me, but it upset me because he thought as though he couldn't have an a, an open opinion on on the question without fear of, of someone shooting him down. And there has been that, that there was a few occasions with, with this poll where people were were challenging other people's positions. And I, I think I said this on Twitter, but that's really not cool. And if you are if you are one of those people and you are listening, don't do that. That's 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 not what we encourage from our listeners. The the, the, the opinions polls are there to give people an opportunity to to share their opinions on a subject. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's a bit of a joke, Um, but their opinions are always valid. And by you invalidating their opinions by forcing your own upon them really goes against what we try to do with this particular part of the podcast. So I, I guess it's just a plea from me that in, in, in the future, think about what you're saying before you hit send, because that's, that's not what I want to hear from our listeners, that they're, that they're frightened to post a comment for fear of what others might think of it. Uh, completely agree. And it's not the first poll. We've, we've had a few incidents like that, but this one especially which the question can seem a fairly innocent one, and we'll get we'll dig into this, I think, anyway. Um, however, people's thoughts and likes and dislikes about this are incredibly personal right now. This isn't like asking a question a couple of years ago where, oh, we've had a really bad weather. Do you want to go out and either get wet or stay dry? This is, this is a, in the context of what's happened over the last 16 to 17 months. So yeah, I would agree with you, but it's not just this one, but I think this one, um, it it definitely didn't feel right on this occasion. And sorry, sorry that's how it felt. And, um, you know, as ever, you're always more than welcome to uh, express your opinions for our show. Yeah, and, and, and I will just say, I, I did want this poll to kind of have a sense of us as the hosts of opinions, kind of checking in on people just to say, are you all right? right now how are you feeling about things and it was it was quite hard hard to find a way to word that particular question and that's the best that we came up with so yeah just um just just think about what you're posting I mean we do we do have a code of conduct uh, around the opinions polls it's on our website it's not something we shout about it's something that you and I wrote when I think when you first came on board Martin to try and give us a bit of guidance when we had yeah. some, some some issues with the poll and I, I will post the link to that in this week's show notes because I, I think not everybody knows that's there and it might just be worth reading that if, if you're listening to this week's show because it essentially I think it just it can be summed up by saying just be nice to each other that's all we ask that's the, that's definitely the short version yes kind and so, considerate yeah yeah well let's Let's put that to one side. And, and I do just want to echo what you said actually there at the end, Martin. Um, Sai, I'm sorry you felt like that. Uh, our DMs are open and this, this goes to anybody as well. If, if, if you're a bit unsure uh, about posting something in response to one of our polls publicly, you can always send it privately uh, and you can let us know whether you want it to feature on the show or not. It, sometimes you just want to get it out of you, don't you? So um, our DMs are always open if you want to send those sorts of things through to us. But moving on, moving back to the question, um, obviously you and I 
recently probably you so more, more than i we've we've going to a few beer festivals recently um myself just going out into sort of like some pubs and venues we, we've started venturing um back out there so how how are you feeling about things mate particularly based on your most recent examples um i suppose my starting point is that I went out to pubs when they reopened in mid-April in, in England, uh, when it was just outdoor. Um, I went back to pubs indoors when we could. Again, I was always choosing what I believed to be venues I knew well, where I was making an informed decision about how it would be. I don't know if I always got it right. And uh, a couple of those places I haven't returned to and unsure whether I will just because the impact it made on me um I think with these two festivals that I referenced earlier in Beery Adventures um as I think we've said before generally we tend to go festivals during the day um I'm very much I love that daytime feel of a festival more than the evening time because generally the evening time is always more crowded so even taking pandemic out of the equation it's generally busier in the evenings and that afternoon feel and daytime feel is quite nice. Um, Harwich, that was completely outdoors. Um, so we had a bit of marquee covering either to be used as a sunshade or if the weather turned a little bit, but it is all outdoors. So it's the, everything you do is outdoors other than when you go to uh, the toilets, which are very well ventilated because they're part of the fault, big, airy, etc. Um, rather than bringing your own um, tankards, which is what they traditionally do, they had some uh, good quality plastic glasses, which you got as part of your five pound entrance. Um, I felt very comfortable at Harwich, uh, but I would echo the point that I think Miles was making. I did have to get five, four trains there, knowing therefore that I was going to get four trains back because of the Essex doesn't really have, Essex and Suffolk doesn't really do cross country. So, you know, uh, you have to go point to point change to another point and then carry on. Um, the time of day I was traveling was outside of rush hour, wasn't too busy. Uh, I'm still mask wearing in that kind of environment um, as much for other people. And there may be, as far as I'm concerned, there may be someone who will only get on the train if they can see other people masked up. Uh, I don't want to be one of those people who, because I feel fairly invulnerable for whatever reason, um, is putting off someone else from traveling. So while while they're asking for masks, um, mandatory or otherwise, and while I think it's appropriate, I'm gonna carry on wearing it. Um, at the festival, because it was outdoors, there wasn't really a mask wearing. A lot of people were putting it on when they went to the loo, the same as myself. But generally, I felt comfortable. Numbers were nicely regulated. It was ticket only, you couldn't buy on the door. Uh, Brewery London, again, it was a daytime session. So it's in a much bigger venue than the, the old Truman Brewery as well. Much bigger venue. Um, they had already said that you needed to have your NHS COVID pass as a starting point. So which shows your vaccine status um, and or whether you've had any positive tests in the past. If you didn't have that, you had to have evidence that you had done your lateral flow test. Failure to have that, you then had to do a test on the door. 
So that was their starting point for, for that. Also, they, whatever the capacity was for the venue as a whole, they had kept it to 50% of that. And I would argue that on the trade session, we were 20% capacity really? on, on the trade session on the Friday. Uh, see, I was going to ask you a question about that because I, I saw some pictures from the trade session and it looked empty. Now, I, I don't know whether that was, like you said, you've said a couple of times that the, that the venue's changed and it's a much bigger venue. If, if they're working to 50% capacity on the, the, the trade sessions, but you're saying only 20% of that turned up, that that suddenly makes for a huge empty space doesn't it yeah and you know i'll, I'll sort of come to that. i mean i would say that for this year brew london had two trade sessions so the thursday afternoon and the friday afternoon were both trade sessions whereas i think in the past and the same for craft beer rising it was just the one day i think um so yeah i i still think there were people who either didn't want to travel or didn't want to be at a beer festival or a combination of the both. Um, there were people who I generally will see, but I didn't see as, you know, maybe uh, the other beer communicators, bloggers, whatever it might be, uh, as well as other people in the trade who we've met and, and become friends with. So I reckon there was an element of that, but it was spread out over the two days. So once, once sorry, once, once you were in, in, in Brew London, was was there mask wearing or was there no requirement for that once you was in you didn't have to wear a mask at all when you were walking around and but again they said if you want to there's no, no issue um certain people behind some of the bars had chosen to carry on wearing masks um which i think is again entirely up to them that i stopped at budvar and was chatting to both the people at budvar and they kept their masks on the whole time but you know they're there Thursday, Friday, or a Saturday. They've got two public sessions coming up as well when it was busier. And the Thursday night, they said, wasn't so busy, but again, you're still getting people stopped there for a while. So I think, again, it comes down to their levels of comfort for people. Um, it was quite nice not having to wear the mask. Um, again, it's very big, it's very tall. It's very, there was all of the double doors available were open. It felt, again, if I'd been offered either to go with friends or a ticket, I wouldn't have gone on a Friday or Saturday night. That would have been my risk assessment saying, I don't want to do that because that would also be on a late, later trains coming home as well. Mm, yeah. uh, and they traditionally can even in these times are busier with people thinking about things less as it is. So all in all, I felt pretty comfortable at both of them, but I had chosen also to do daytime one of them being a trade daytime, so automatically that's less numbers, even when I've done trades before. I wouldn't have done evenings at either, even the outdoor one at Harwich, I would have thought twice about the evening one because it would have come back down to that travel aspect again with the trains. Um, and again, Friday, I was still coming home from London. Uh, I think I got the train from Stratford about quarter past eight, 20 past eight, and it was probably busiest, busiest I've seen it for a while with people coming through Stratford. Um, but there was plenty of room on a train and it was uh, one of the more mo modern ones, which is set something for our line, Steve. And the aircon was pretty good. So it comes down, I mean, like a lot of these things, and this is where I think both you and I got a little bit put out with some of the comments on the, on the poll. It's down to what people's personal risk assessment is. Um, and everyone's level of risk is different. 
in all walks of life. Especially when you're having to factor in public transport as, as, as well. You know, like, like, like you say, you know, going to Harwich is, is, is four trains for, for you. So that's four different sets of connections. That's four different sets of people. You, you can't guarantee anymore that everybody is going to be wearing a mask. So you've got to do what you can to protect yourself in, in, in the realms of how you feel safe and what you want to do to, for your own safety. But, but yeah, you also, you don't know what every, everybody's personal circumstances are that sit behind that either, do you? In, in, in terms of how they, are they managing a, a risk to their own health? Are they managing any potential risk to their family and loved ones? Are they managing a risk to someone who's close to them that's vulnerable still? And it's, it's, you have to balance all of that at the moment, don't you? It's, it's, it's no longer, you can't really just think about yourself anymore, can you? You can't, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to go to the pub, I'm going to go to a beer festival. It's like, okay, well, I've got, you've, you've pretty much almost got to do a risk assessment, haven't you, on how am I going to get there? How, how are others going to behave when I'm there? How, how am I getting back? Is it going to be safe for me? What's, what's the situation regarding ventilation masks and protocols around going in and out of that venue? There's, there's so much to, to factor in now, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And arguably, there are maybe certain aspects of everything you've said there that we should always have been doing. Um, but, you know, putting that to one side, uh, not everyone's going to want to do four trains just because it's four trains, let alone... Uh, the pandemic and catching something, mate. I barely want to go to Harwich on two trains, if if I'm honest. <laughs> if I'm honest yeah. with you, and it's not exactly the longest journey from Colchester, is it? No, um, no, or even, and, or even Whitton. And, and and any connections make that, that make any journey longer. I'm not in for that. But even taking that aside, even if you are localish, I think people will still make their own risk assessments about certain places. They'll make risk assessments about people. We've all seen plenty on social media where individuals or venues are practically reveling in the fact that they are licking, hugging, kissing, standing at the bar and doing all the things that they used to do in normal times. You know, the sort of places which most right-minded people are thinking, I'll swerve those, thanks very much. Mm. You know. Keep, keep posting that shit on social media so I know what to avoid. Exactly. You know, someone could do a full list of all those places, even better. Um, so, you know, we've all seen plenty of those and there are individuals who want to be like that and then live their life like that. And those are the ones you might come across, et cetera, like when you're traveling. I obviously had been self-isolating for the best part of three weeks. So I was ready to go out. But equally, if those things that I'd wanted to go out, like I had spoken to Clayton the week beforehand and we'd been get a bit of back and forth about the, the actual whole thing about the traveling and going into London. I said, look, mate, we'll take a view on the day. You know, we, we, you know, we, we're, we're lucky enough to have got these tickets through the, through the podcast. We can have a chat about it. If one or both of us is uncomfortable, we ditch it. Um, now, obviously that's easier when it's a free ticket versus having paid for it. So, you know, take that into account as well. But, I, I see no problem with people thinking about it twice. And if I invited someone over um, or out and then they had last minute thought about it, you know, because this week, potentially, we're hoping the week of recording that a few of us might be back in person in Chelmsford for the bottle share. But equally, 
on the morning or the afternoon or the evening of it, someone could go, look, I'm really not comfortable. Um, you know, I really, I, I want to do it. And I think that's probably the case, isn't it? Most people want to do all these things, but they used to love doing, going to the pub, going to a festival, these kind of things. Um, but I'm not, I would never think about effectively doing the equivalent of, you know, man up, grow a pair. What's the matter with you? Well, I'm going. Well, if I can do it, you can do it. You know, which is sort of some of, some of the bits we saw as part of the poll. Then that's just completely wrong. You're not taking into account the other person in any shape or form. And also, if someone says, I've been fine, that just means you haven't got caught. You know, the uh, this this virus isn't like, it doesn't necessarily pick and choose. Um, it, you know, you get lucky. If you get lucky by not catching it, brilliant. Well done, cracking stuff. But you make a risk assessment. Me and you have made risk assessments on getting back to the gym and decided that the gyms that we use regularly, the protocols they have in place suit us. The fact that we can then book, we know the numbers. But if my gym suddenly went back to a bit of a free-for-all, I might go, hmm, hold on a second. I'm not so sure about that. Might need to change that up a little bit. So I see no difference between that and going going to a festival or going to the pub. You make your risk assessments. Yeah, well, in, in, in that same sort of vein, I mean, a, a, a lot of the places that I visited while, while I was in Devon, um, certainly Plymouth and Exeter, we, we travelled by trains of both of those. So, you, you know, there was the consideration of, well, we've, we'll need to wear masks while we're on the train. Um, and then obviously when, when, when you're at venues, moving around inside the venues, I'm probably very much like yourself. I'm still like, well, I'm all right if I'm sat at a table. But if I'm getting up to go to the toilet, I'm going to put my mask on um, because that's just the way I want to live my life right now. I, I don't see it as any sort of in, infringement to, to to my being, so to really? speak. I mean, come on, Steve, you can't show off your beard the whole time if you're not if you're wearing a mask. Come on, those I, I, ten seconds. I, I know, and the, the mask doesn't cover the whole of the beard, so it sort of pokes out <laughs> all over the place. It's, I, haven't, I haven't quite progressed to getting one of these mask that completely covers the beard but no no i'm i'm still very much into again going back to something that you said um choosing venues that i know are thinking about their customers and are looking at the protocols and uh, and what they want to put in place and how they want to manage things and yes as much as i'm against people standing sitting at the bar um I just accept that that's that that's going to happen again in 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 time. Um, you know, I still like the idea of table service, but then that's that that's just me. Um, but appreciate that some places just can't can't do that anymore. But uh, what... to be fair, just going back there, it's not just you. And I think some places it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but the places that it does work, um, and we, we know some examples of the ones which have been able to do both, or have a, are just going to stick with table service all well and good um but you know yes you do prefer but then you don't really like people steve i don't i don't i, I don't like people and i particularly don't like people that uh are just saying i can't wait for it to go back to how it used to be because <laughs> newsflash it's not going to uh there's been a global pandemic that has killed hundreds of thousands of people and it's that that virus is still with us and that virus is is here to stay and yes we're gonna have to start to, to to live with that virus being around and make changes to our life as a result of that but 
let's let's stop saying I can't wait for it to go back to how it used to be. I mean, right right now, the the thought of going to a, a festival does nothing for me, um, and unless it's uh, outside. So from from the two examples that that you've had recently, I would have happily come along to to, to the Readout Festival in in Harwich with you because it's outside and it's a lovely venue. Um, I probably would have thought twice about going to Brew London, um, just because people and and you know i i don't like being I, I never liked being in crowds previously um i'm even less likely to to like it now and i and i think probably the one thing from this this whole thing for me is i i have actually quite enjoyed living my life at, at, at home uh, over the last year and i'm i'm not sure i will go back to being a massively social creature as, as, as a result of that, I think I'll I'll go to places I like, I'll go to pubs I like, I'll go to venues that I like, where I, where I can go and have essentially a quiet pint or, or, or two, or on the way there, declare that it's going to be a four-pint session and, and, and then leave. Um, I think I'm, I'm going to be a lot longer out of beer festivals. I think if, if anybody sees me at a beer festival in the next few years, I think think it'll be a surprise to everyone myself included mm. i think uh, like you say the readout fall festival you would have gone to something depends on the kind of the venue the people who are running it the people you know who are going um but yeah i think you know the bit about not going out so much i think that's going to be the same for a lot of people um people have got used to some quality products at home they've got used to their own company I mean, the amount of bars that have been built in people's back gardens, sheds, spare rooms, you know, whether they all carry on getting used, I don't know, but at least in the short to medium term, people are going to want to get their money's worth out of them. So, you know, like I said, my biggest uh, problem will be the people who, and the venues, who want to party like it's 1999, effectively. Um, yeah, put it to, I can't picture a New Year's Eve in a pub. No, for example. I, I, I can't right now. Um, that, that doesn't, I mean, can't say I was a massive lover of it most of the time, unless I was really in a, the right place at the right time. Um, but yeah, I, I said, I think it just comes down to that. How you feel yourself and then recognising that everyone doesn't feel the same. And it is now personal about going out. It's very personal. Because like you say, at the start of what you were talking about, it's about the harm that can come to you, the harm that may be passed on to someone you know and love, or, and harm passed on to people you don't know and love, but still don't want to cause them harm. So there are a lot more factors now. And I, I, I agree with you. There was also that element of quite fancy checking in with everyone to see how they were feeling. Um, serious topic, get what people's comments are. And I like what some people, I mean, if we go back to Steve from being Nouveau, his comment at the start, I mean, what he's done with his beer garden at a tap room, looks wonderful. And it sounds like, you know, um, apart from the odd knob who's turned up, it's been a bit of a roaring success as well. So that's something which has expanded his little empire there as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah. people have got very creative as well. And, you know, we've been to Steve's tap room and it's a fairly big indoor area. You get those doors open at either end, there's going to be plenty of through flow on the air, isn't there? Um, so, yeah, having having the option of the beer garden as well just adds another layer to that place. So people people are being creative, both who run and own venues, 
and people are being personal about their choices. And if they do decide to do something, they're going to make sure it suits how they feel for certain. So I have no problem with that. I, I totally agree with, with, with what you're saying yeah, there, mate, particularly in regards to um, being a vow and, and obviously Steve is a friend of the show and, and that space he has created is is great and it just gives us another reason to need to go back to his tap room and, and, and drink there in, in that wonderful outside space he's created. I'm, I'm looking forward to see seeing the fairy lights all over that in the in, in, in the autumn <laughs> and winter as well. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. But I, I really appreciated what people were saying. I said, taking aside the bit which we addressed straight away, um, it just goes to prove how different people are feeling on this topic and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon because it's in our it's in our memory banks now it's in our muscle memory as well to think about these things yeah absolutely and and, and as you say you, you know there were lots of comments this week we've only featured uh, a snapshot of them uh, there will be a link in the show notes to the question that you can click on and you can have a read through all, all of the responses um use the hashtag opinions and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show let us know write it down let us know write it down let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness write it down so first up from andy milford at a milford 1987 listening to your latest podcast with the owl lady and the discussion around hard seltzers I agree they're not beer, but I think they are a watch out. There's a reason why so many American breweries have started brewing them as they are taking a massive gap out of their sales. Also loved the section on hospitality. I fell into a job at my local pub at a young age and after a while, my parents suggested I go and learn about more about it. Ended up studying hospitality, all helped pave the way for me ending up working at a brewery. From Sophie at So Beer Blogger. A really enjoyable show this week. I wanted to follow up on your questions about the beer spa. Imagine a barrel whirlpool tub next to a crackling fire filled with water and malt extract. Hop oils and a scattering of hops are added for aroma. Brewer's yeast is also added to the tub, which has all the vitamins to leave your skin feeling amazingly soft. This was a whole new level of relaxation, though this could have also been contributed to by the amount of beer that was drunk. It's brilliant. Come conjures up a wonderful picture. Doesn't I it? Just, just ima- I could just imagine your Airbnb review for last week, Steve. Can we change the outdoor hot tub to a beer outdoor <laughs> hot tub, please? What are you putting in that? Stop sprinkling <laughs> leaves in it. From Mark Johnson, I don't normally message before finishing an episode, but I was listening whilst walking to the pub and arrived there just as there were some rather lovely words spoken about me being a pub cat. So I thought I'd share a picture of the sparkled cast dry pour waiting for me. Not so lovely. Nice. Thanks, Mark. The old lady. Not that we've mentioned her much recently. <laughs> Just listen to this fab episode and I'm blushing with all the lovely feedback. That aside, so great to hear Matt's voice. Looking forward to his book arriving in an unfeasibly large box from Amazon and cannot wait to have a tight sparkled beer in person one day. She'll be back. From Rich Taylor. Really enjoyed this show and great to hear all about Matt's new book. Obviously ordered a copy. It's such a shame that Trank don't send Sonoma down south as I know it'd fly out of the Vic and other venues. Imagine drinking that, Steve, followed by some Colonel. I'm just sitting here imagining that. I'm just going to be speechless for a few seconds. Yeah, that would be good. That would be really good. <laughs> Steve's had his moment. Yeah. From Simon Webster at Bees A Boy. The terrific listen. Well done all. Perfect length for my cycle ride this morning too. Oh, and Matt's measured comments on Brewdog was spot on in my honest opinion. 
From Chris Hanks at Chris Hanks 1977, following the last episode, I paid a call to Matt's local Heat and Hops, only intended to get takeouts, but at the best pint of cask beer in Traxonoma I've ever had while there. Four cans of Sierra Nevada torpedo included in the takeouts as well. The perfect visit. Does sound pretty good, that. Doesn't it just? Yeah. From Points of Brew. I must admit, finishing the latest episode featuring Matt has given me a hunger to start writing again. I've not felt inclined to do so for a while now, but it's where his whole journey began. So it only feels right I look at getting back into the swing of things and start penning more thoughts on the much-neglected blog. Now to find those logins. Uh, well, you did find the login. I read your, your latest post and um, carry on writing. And if, if it's inspired anyone else, brilliant. I'm sure uh, Matt would be more than happy that he's inspiring people to start typing up. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well so people can check it out because it was a great piece. Yeah, thought-provoking. And I think there, there's, there's definitely should be a part two and a part three, in my opinion. Uh, from Simon Dewhurst at Simon Sloth. Uh, awesome guest and wonderful episode, guys. Thanks to Matt for answering my question with such brilliant knowledge and passion. And then we also had quite a bit of feedback on the Dusty Old Shit episode. So from Bob Maxfield at Bob Maxfield, and I think we mentioned this earlier on. Uh, in your conversation about 1981, you forgot a true, truly momentous event, my birth. Yep, sorry about that, uh, Bob. And also from Beer O'Clock Brewing at B.O. Brewing, really enjoyed the n- nostalgia induced by the Royal Wedding episode. You did miss out two things from 1981. The Yorkshire Ripper was caught, cool, and more importantly, I was born. Was a bit disappointed that White Wedding wasn't the outro song, a missed opportunity. Uh, from Bay Beer Reviews, uh, really enjoyed this. Best episode for ages, in my opinion. Would have loved a video version so we could see the beers. I think he means see our reactions to the beers as well there. I, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, from Steve Longdon at Steve underscore Longdon. I have some of these that my dad got at the time. Definitely have some King and Barnes as they were at our local brewery. Tempted to dig mine out now and give them a try. Great show. And someone else inspired to dig out their dusty old shit was Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulia. Great show. By coincidence, I was drinking a Royal Wedding beer on Saturday and it was awful. We were talking at the time about how beer duty was calculated in 1981, but I confess I confess to forgetting the details already. And then from Ian Hay at I.I. Hay, cracking bonus episode this one. Jezza is a very interesting guest and enjoyed seeing the photos he shared as well. Ronnie Bean. Enjoyed the show. It was a good tribute to the craftsmanship of mostly long gone breweries and brewers. And finally, Martin at Six Towns Mark. Just listened. That was a very interesting and, and, and entertaining. 15 quid to play the ageing lottery and have no drain pools is a bargain purchase. And then just one final comment from Ruth Mitchell at Beer Fairy. It's been ages since Ruth has commented. I was beginning to wonder whether she'd stopped listening, but maybe her comment explains that. Uh, 168 miles and three and a half hours of beer o'clock show to Suffolk. Let's see if it's the road or the entertainment that runs out first. Now, I'm really keen to find out what did run out first. That's what I was going to ask. (laughs) For how long we were entertainment for. Oh, exactly. So please let us know, Ruth. Definitely, and love the googly eyes on the uh, on the boxes that are being on, sent out on everything. Just everything. not just the boxes, is is it? it was yeah, was wasn't it? it? Was a key keg, wasn't it? As well, I, I think so. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, love those, love some of the comments. And I, you know, I had my doubts about the uh, royal wedding beer show, um, but it was fun to do, and it's been even more fun to see how well well received it's been. Yeah, and and again, just. Uh, a, a, a word about the specials really that that they will be 
different from the normal opinion show um, because they are special. That's the whole idea of them. So, um, you know, the fact that, again, it was something different. Um, it was fun to fun to recall that. Um, and, and the beers were OK. <laughs> Let's just leave yeah. it at that, shall we? Now, we've just got the one question to answer this week as well. Questions, questions, fill my head. And this is from Men Behaving Badly at MBB Podcast. Is that still a thing? Um, it's definitely Men be- Behaving Badly. Whether there's a podcast attached to that anymore, who knows? Who, who knows? Maybe this might ignite a rocket up their backsides to, <laughs> to, to produce something but i think this this question came from tom um if you saw damaged cans on the shelf fridge in this case in the supermarket fridge top lip and sides crumpled would you expect or ask for a reduction in price um i would definitely expect them to already have a reduced sticker on them um equally i'd expect them not to be trying to sell them we were we uh, i don't think my mum and dad would have sold crumpled cans you know, there's no good reason for that. And also, I think I saw another picture recently where some siren cans look like they're on the verge of expl- exploding mm. on a supermarket shelf. Yeah, I saw so that, that just looked, well. That just looked dangerous. Yeah. Um, but, you know, damaged stock in other consumables, they will generally put a sticker on it. Because, you know, there's been plenty of times I've seen, you know, tinned products, food products, which have got stickers on them. And it seems to me that the only thing wrong with it is the dent. But again, can, cans of beer seems to apparently get a bit of a free pass on that kind of thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask, but I, I probably wouldn't buy them either. If it didn't have a sticker on them, and there wasn't a beer I wanted, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick it up. But I think it's poor that certain shops, and um, they said supermarket, again, it comes back to the conversations we've had before about for some supermarkets and the people there. It's not really something they care about, so they don't really care how it looks. Whereas... I reckon the, I reckon the producer does, the brewery does, and how they want it to be presented. So it's a shame that you saw it in the first place, but it should definitely be as a minimum reduced. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm exactly the same as you. I wouldn't I wouldn't ask for it, but if it was a food stuff and it was dented, it would definitely be in the reduced aisle. Um, so so there's no reason why while that shouldn't carry across the beer um, as, as as well. If it's a you know if it's a food project product in a in in, in a tin or a can that can get dented then yeah it, it, it should be reduced but no definitely wouldn't wouldn't ask for it um but great question there there tom thanks th- thanks for that and if you do have any questions make sure to continue using the hashtag opinions uh and we'll make sure we feature them on future shows now for final thoughts on this week's uh second beer i know uh, martin just while i've been talking there you've just been sniffing your two beers which you've saved uh, a, a little bit of each to do a bit of a final comparison of them how are they going next to one another well the first one is definitely still got a sharper cidery aroma to it and definitely feels more not i wouldn't say funky but definitely got more of those kind of notes going on whereas the one that we've been drinking in the second half of the show again i don't know whether it's uh just a little bit more mellow more rounded or the alcohol's carrying it a bit better um feels smoother um but i i it doesn't change my opinion of the first being it doesn't change my opinion of the second being. i think they're both really good they, they, they've obviously spent a lot of time with this they understand how these things all work together they understand how to pull it all together 
they, they feel that this is the time to release it. Whether it would age, I don't know. But then I always wonder, do you start to lose some of the fruitier qualities with these kind of beers? And then you maybe you only get the the harshness left. But when we're drinking them now, I'm pretty impressed with them. Well, I'm, I'm intrigued to try those now because obviously the one that, that, that I'm drinking right now is the, um, the the same version, but with the rhubarb in it. And I'm, I'm, I'm keen to see um, when I come to drinking those, if there are any characteristics that carry across from, from those versions in, in, into the, into the rhubarb version. I mean, this yeah, is, we've got, we've both got each other's to try still, haven't we? We have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this has, as, as it's begun to warm, it's becoming a little bit more sweet, uh, a little bit more sherbety, and and therefore I think maybe a little bit more sour as as well. So I think to, to my tastes, um, I'm struggling a little bit with it as it warms, but certainly um, you, you know the rhubarb characteristics again, as as far as I know from my limited history of rhubarb in sweets um goes then then, then yeah they, 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 they've pulled it off and, not, and and i'm sure people that enjoy this style of beer will really enjoy this style of beer because it is it, it, it is a really tasty number um, are you planning to when are you thinking about having the two beers that i've featured uh sooner rather than later if if i'm honest because i i probably don't want to let them age I I, I want to probably try them quite fresh. And again, there's there's this whole thing of if this is when the brewery has released them, this is when the brewery thinks they're right to drink. So um, yeah, probably probably before the next show, I, I, I would have thought. Yeah, well, if we don't get the chance on the next show to discuss them, maybe on the next us show we just have a bit of a, a you know just a bit of a, a a postscript to this show to see what we thought of each other's beers as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 um make a note to come back and do that. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Just again to say, really, thanks to Ian at, at Fine Hours for sending those d- down to us. Um, very generous care package that Ian sent down. Uh, obviously enough bottles for us to 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 have one each and plenty of yarl in in that package as as well. So so thanks for that. Um, just a reminder that there there is a competition still running until um, Sunday the 15th of August. You are going to need to go back and listen to the last show uh, to hear all about that competition. Um, but you can win a signed copy of Matt Curtis's new book, Modern British Beer, um, by entering that competition. Continue to use the hashtag opinions and we will continue to feature your thoughts on the show. Martin, what is coming up next time uh yep yeah, we're, we're, we're going over the irish sea we're going to northern ireland we're going to chat to Stephen o'kane um so it should be should make for a really interesting discussion given that northern ireland's drinking laws is different to both mainland mainland uk and also to the republic of ireland as well so looking forward to that and hopefully sampling a few northern irish beers which we don't often get hold of yeah i'm really looking forward to chatting to Stephen. um he's approached us about coming on to, to show he's been a regular contributor before goes by the twitter handle handle of socrates nine is is, yep. is it is certainly a twitter handle that we've discussed before on the show as to, to its <laughs> meaning so, so yeah looking forward to meeting Stephen and, and, and chatting and um he is being kind enough to, to send over some, some beers for us to try as well so very much looking forward to that and until then all that's left to say is cheers cheers